Welcome to Unstoppable Female Entrepreneurs, where business expert and success coach Kelsey Matheson teaches you how to massively grow your business, navigate the mind drama that's holding you back, make more money, and acquire the skills and confidence to become unstoppable. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unstoppable Female Entrepreneurs. I am so excited for today's episode because for the very first time in the history of this podcast, not that I've had this podcast for long, (laughs) but for the very first time, I have a guest and such an amazing entrepreneur, truly. I am so very excited to talk with my guest today. So let's dive in. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Anna Ratala. She is the co-founder and CEO of Zvuk. I mean, really, she's an unstoppable female entrepreneur in her own right. She has a fascinating background. But before we kind of dive into that, welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. So you are similar to myself. You are a serial entrepreneur. Like you've run businesses in Singapore, then now you're in New York. I also loved the fact that you speak like you just speak all the languages. <laughs> you speak English and German and Swedish and Finnish. You just you speak all of them. <laughs> I think that's one of the good things about being from Europe. Like you have to, especially from a non-English speaking country, you have to learn languages, right? At school, we learned Swedish was the first language that I learned at school and then English and so on and so on. So it kind of comes with the geographical background of where I, I grew up. Yeah, that's amazing. I know a few friends of mine who lived in the Netherlands and they just naturally speak five languages. And I thought, oh, I wish I wish we did more of that here. I'm originally from Canada, but still, I do not speak five languages. You also hold a master's in economics in business administration and an executive MBA. And as I mentioned, you're the co-founder and CEO of Zvuk, which is a platform making podcast advertising easy and transparent. So it is such a pleasure to have you. And so first, I just want to, you know, want the audience to get to know you a little bit better. And when I was doing my research for this interview, I heard a story that about you that I thought was amazing. And I wanted to know if it was true. <laughs> and the story was that I think you were six years old. You wanted a fax machine for Christmas. Is that true? Yes, that's true. I actually don't even know where you where you found that story. But that is absolutely true. I wanted a fax machine. A lot of my friends got Barbies and dolls and whatnot. And I wanted a fax machine so I could play the office. That was my favorite thing to play. I would like have a bunch of papers and pens and I would sit at my like school desk and I just pretended like I was someone important. I didn't really know what that even meant. Like I, I don't know where that came from, but I really had this desire to be someone, a very important person sitting in the office and sending faxes and writing things down. So yeah. I love that. I love that you also equated like, I'm very important. So I would have a fax machine. Very important people have fax machines. I also had a typing, an old typing machine we had, um, a family had. So I was like writing stories on the old typing machine and had the fa- and had them faxed. So <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, nothing screams to me like this girl is going to become a business guru more than like that. You know what I mean? Like lemonade stand is one thing, but like I want a fax machine and I have a typewriter. Like that's that's next level. <laughs> yeah, and I think my parents saw that from obviously a very early age. So when I was after high school or in high school and I was thinking about what should I do next and where what should I study, I actually originally wanted to study journalism because I've always been very fascinated by stories and storytelling and communication and I've been writing stories 
my whole life. And then my parents sort of, you know, we had these conversations and they were like, you know what, what about business school? Like you can still write because that's a talent that you have. But a business school could be something, I mean, we've seen this for years, your kind of inclination towards that. And they were absolutely right. Well, it's interesting because then, and we'll get into this book a little later, but that desire for storytelling and writing and journalism. And it's interesting how that's now led you to podcasting. Absolutely. And that's why I'm also saying, you know, when people, you know, even talk about Zvuk, I always say I've always been very fascinated by storytelling and how compelling stories can move you and evoke emotions and feelings and entertain and educate. And I think throughout my life, I've seen this in everything that I've done. I've been very active, you know, when I was a student, I was very active in like our student union and student board. And then I went into politics for a little bit and I was like very active there. And all of that is really about storytelling, right? You're asking people to join you in an event or vote for you or come together in whatever shape or form. And it's all about the stories, right? People really buy who you are, not so much what you do, right? And I think just being able to communicate that efficiently plays such a big role in it. And so I've always been very fascinated by that. And then, you know, when I started my professional career, I kind of got to do that working with companies, understanding how they see their own storytelling and how that's perceived in the media. And now obviously helping companies to share their stories through audio and through audio influencers. I mean, it kind of all comes together. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. So just to touch on that a bit, did you, when you got out of school, you're like, I'm going to own my own businesses. I want to become an entrepreneur. But you said you, you did work for other companies initially. How, like, what was the journey of becoming an entrepreneur? I never really thought about that. My goal was to become a really kick-ass boss, like C-level executive, maybe a CMO of a really cool company like Nike. I've always really loved them. Not least because of their really storytelling and brand and everything they represent. And so I always pictured myself. That's why I went to, you know, do my master's and was like very kind of business focused. I always pictured myself as this busy, confident, strong business leader, but always in a corporate world somehow. I never really thought about starting my own business until later on when I sort of got, you know, I started my career officially in the corporate world and I was working for a media intelligence company doing sales, got to work with a lot of interesting companies and brands and sort of help them to understand how their companies are being perceived by the media and the public. And it was very interesting, but that was really the time I did that for three years. And I kind of couldn't really move up that ladder because the next step would have been to become a, a managing director and our MD at the time was not going anywhere. So I was like, yeah, either I'm going to do just day-to-day sales for the next X years or I have to leave and do something else. And I was kind of considering joining some other companies. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe now is the time to try something of my own. And looking back at who I've been as a child, and I've run a lot of different clubs for my friends. I started a little magazine where I would clip articles from magazine that I would subscribe to. And then I would paste them on a piece of paper and let my classmates read it for a fee. I've always been very entrepreneurial, actually. And so I I thought, well, now might be a good time to just try it out. And so what I ended up doing was basically kind of started a one-woman show. I was helping some Nordic companies expand to Southeast Asian markets and help them with sales and, and kind of do a little bit of that. But what that really gave me an opportunity to do is to connect with other entrepreneurs and get to know the startup ecosystem. This was in Singapore when I lived there and really kind of understand a little bit more the startup ecosystem of Singapore 
understanding that a lot of people in Asia and in Singapore wanted to actually become entrepreneurs, but there it was a very non-traditional career path. You know, you kind of, you're expected to be in the corporate world. You're expected to be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, and a CEO. You know, it became clear that there needs to be a community that's being built for young people and students and young entrepreneurs who wanted to start their own businesses. So I ended up actually starting a big tech startup event in Singapore called Slush, which originated from Finland uh, as a huge event that is happening in Nordics on an annual basis. And then I started the Southeast Asian chapter. And that really sealed the deal for me for I never want to go to corporate world ever again. I was surrounded by too many exciting people and entrepreneurs and startup founders and all that buzz. And even creating an event from scratch with no money, no initial team, nothing. You built something from scratch, huge pressure, timelines, financial crunches, all that. And I was like, oh, I love this. This is what fuels me. I can never go work for anybody ever again. And so that, in my head, is still the deal of I need to be running something of my own. I need to be building. Oh, I love that because I even just as you're describing that, I can feel the energy of those events. Like everyone's there. That's like that the startup phase of their business. They're so excited. They want to talk to everybody about it. Like the passion is like exponentially like growing every minute. Like I love that to be around that too. Like that's intoxicating. I love that you had that event in Finland and then brought it over to Singapore, especially. So did the event bring you to Singapore? Or were you living in Singapore and you noticed that there was a gap? I was living in Singapore already. So I went there, I got a chance to go there for six months and kind of just see what it's like. And, and I went there for personal reasons originally. But then I joined the media intelligence company and kind of started building the career and life there. Really loved Singapore, really loved Southeast Asia. So I just ended up staying. And so starting the event there was just a continuum of that. And such is actually a very well-known event in Finland and in the Nordics and in Europe. So anyone who's in tech and startup world would know that huge event. It was really just an opportunity to say, hey, why don't we bring something like that to Singapore where it doesn't exist and everything's very top down. And all of a sudden there's this huge event put together by 300 volunteers who are all young people and students. So it was a very kind of like scrappy grounds up way of doing things. Uh, It was a non-for-profit initiative, just like slushes in Finland as well. But just a, a lot of, yeah, like you said, very intoxicating, positive, energetic environment to build something and to also bring some change into the mindsets and the ways how people perceived entrepreneurship and startup life. That's fantastic. I love that. And you also mentioned that you were in sales before as well in the corporate business. So did you take some of that skill into what you were doing, even though it's a non-for-profit? I mean, sales is still very much involved. How did you kind of take that skill and and infuse it into what you were doing with Slush? Yeah, I think actually learning to do sales, and that was obviously like on a very sort of corporate basis. You know, I would do a lot of cold calling, speaking to clients. We had monthly targets. So it was like very hardcore sales school. And I actually sucked at it for the first six months. I thought I was going to be great at it when I started. I was hired as one of this amazing high potential candidate. And then I completely sucked for the first six months. I couldn't even sell a single deal for the first four months. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I feel like I could be great at this. And now I'm struggling. And then once I cracked it, I became really good at became one of the one of the best in, in our region. And I really understood how important it is to really know sales in everything that you do, right? Because everything is about sales. Now as a startup founder, I go and I pitch to investors. I try to hire people, right, to to come and join us. I speak with the media, I have a podcast. Like 
all of these things are selling at the end of it, right? Like they are really about communication. Again, they are about stories. So I think that that skill set is incredibly important. And obviously you don't use all the tactics in, in all the different situations, right? But just understanding, listening to people, understanding certain cues, understanding how to ask certain questions and how to then lead a person to an outcome that might actually be beneficial, not just for you, but also for them, right? It's all about mutual value because no, but you can never sell somebody if they don't want to, if they don't want to buy at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't believe in it. I think especially in the in the startup world and entrepreneurial world, you see very quickly, I mean, we've all heard from founders and entrepreneurs when they talk about their businesses and what they do, if you don't see the passion in them, you can almost tell that they're not going to be successful. Compared to the ones who are passionate and really excited about what they're doing, you can see that a miles away. And I think it's just very powerful in and of itself, a powerful way to really sell whatever it is that you're doing. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. And I and because I know, especially with entrepreneurs who are starting out and they don't necessarily have a business background, they don't necessarily have a sales background, but they have a product or a service that they love and they have this feeling that sales is sleazy or that it's really hard or that they have this kind of idea that it's like, I don't want to become a used car salesman. <laughs> right. And I've also found that it's more of an issue with women. They have such a, a hard time putting their sales out there. I know. And you know, it's interesting that you say this. I feel like in, in the Nordics and in Finland specifically, we always look at America as like, oh my God, everybody sells there, right? Like everybody is like a salesman in America. Like people are so good at just talking and presenting and selling. And in Finland in particular, that's deemed as very like, oh, no, no, no. Like nobody really sells. Like that's a bad thing. For whatever reason, it's kind of perceived very bad. So it's interesting that you mentioned that still there are, even here, there are people who feel like, oh, I don't want to be too salesy and people are afraid. But there's a there's a difference between being confident and passionate about what you do versus being salesy, right? And I think a lot of the times people think that sales is you're trying to tell as much as possible about why your product or service or whatever is great, but it's really about asking questions. It's about actually letting the customer talk a lot more than you do, because then you learn what their pain points are and you can specifically target those pain points and say, hey, well, actually, whatever you just mentioned, we do, or we can help you do better. And I always remember, you know, one of my quote unquote, I guess, tactics or just approaches was that when I asked questions, I always said, hey, the reason I'm asking this is because I'm trying to understand. And obviously, you know, if this is not something that's going to be useful. That's all good. Right. Or if they said, hey, I don't like this or I don't have whatever. I always say, hey, that's fine. You don't have to get it. But share a little bit more with me. Why not? And and what's your situation? And what about the future? Right. So I got them to talk a lot. And then you learn a little bits and pieces. And it might actually be that one bit of what you're selling might be actually helpful. Yeah, it might be it might be perfect for them. Because I always say to you, like, you never want to have to convince anyone. Because if you're having to convince somebody, then they're not the right fit. But if like you said, if you get them talking, you find out more about them then you can see how your product or service could be the perfect fit for them in order to, to help them. Because it's really about serving, right? I mean, most of the women that I work with are in the health and wellness space in some way, shape or form. So their business serves the world, right? And that's so important to have that connection. Because even I started an online program for women called the Ultimate Health and Conscious Living Academy about seven years ago. And it was my first kind of online program and I partnered with these sales team who were doing webinars for me and ads. And it was very guerrilla style, Russell Brunson type, like hardcore sales. 
And these were women who felt very vulnerable, like the rug had been ripped up from underneath them in terms of their health and their wellness and their sexuality and their relationship with their body and all these things. And that hardcore selling was not not landing. It was such a great learning experience for me. I mean, it was an expensive one, but it was I learned so much more. And I feel like on the other side of that, it was an investment in my education. And now I, I learned so much about that experience. But I, I love that. I love, it's like you, you get them to talk about them. Yeah. And it's very much, I mean, I think you just really showcase perfectly, like, it's all about also knowing your audience, right? What works for them? Because to your earlier point, it doesn't make sense to try to drag a sale out of someone like you're, you're spending way too much time on the wrong audience, right? If they're not instantly connecting and understanding what the pain that you're solving, they're helping them solve is, then move on and find someone who actually gets it. And you're going to have a way easier time. You can then come back to that group or that audience that didn't initially resonate. And maybe you can tweak something and see how you can get that group, right? But kind of find that first group that says, oh, this is brilliant. This is what I need. And then communicate to them in their language, right? And ask them questions. And I think that's really a, a good way to to start. Yeah. And that's brilliantly put in their language because that's also, you know, like you learn about that marketing 101, sales 101, like mirror their energy. <laughs> I remember that in retail. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very true. Yeah. So let's dive into his book because I'm on his book. I love his book. I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> so tell me, tell the listeners what his book is. Hey, friends. So I'm going to interrupt the episode right here and leave you with a bit of a cliffhanger. Anna will answer that question and so much more in the next episode of Unstoppable Female Entrepreneurs. Also, if you missed my live training on the four steps to making your first 100K, then you now have an opportunity to watch the replay. I will leave the link in the show notes for you to sign up and you can watch that free training. I really want you to utilize everything you learn in that training to get you on track to making your first six figures in your business. My clients who attended that training are already experiencing results. And one of my clients is just about to have her first $20,000 month. I'm so excited for her. So sign up, watch the training, and I look forward to connecting with you next time with part two of Anna Ratala's interview. Ciao for now. Hey, if you'd like a weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and actionable tips to grow your business while managing all the things, then you need to get on my email list. Just head over to KelseyMatheson.com to join my list. And while you're there, check out the awesome free content I give away. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share with other female entrepreneurs who need some love and support. And of course, if you haven't already, I would be so grateful if you subscribe, rate, and review my show on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you next week.